Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun today, and I have a guest on that I'm just absolutely delighted to have on. I'm not going to say he is one of our more mature guests, because I think we actually have had on some guests that are a little bit older than George, but I love the fact that George is still very involved in the business world, and he's just a little bit older than some some of my the people that we have on. Um, but I'll let you know we'll, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that in in just a moment. So please join me in welcoming George Newman to our program. Welcome, George. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mentioned that you're a little bit older, so let me tell people just a little bit more about you. So George Newman was born in Vienna, Austria, on August 26th of 1936. Two years later, his family fled the Nazi annexation and came to the United States. He grew up in and attended public schools in Miami, Florida. After high school, he worked at a variety of jobs, ranging from factory helper to printer. Later, after serving three years in the U.S. Coast Guard and receiving an honorable discharge, he joined the staff of the Miami News, where he worked as a reporter. In 1967, he moved to California, where he served on the staffs of the Redwood City Tribune, Burlingame Advanced Star, and San Jose Mercury News, taking time in between to earn a bachelor's degree. He subsequently subsequently received a Master of Science in Psychology from the University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee in 1973. George also served as an adjunct faculty member at West Valley College in Saratoga, California. In 1983, he founded the Newsletter Group, which for two decades produced employee and customer newsletters for high-tech firms in Silicon Valley. He also published the Newman Report, a hotel sales and marketing newsletter. He's received numerous awards, and I'm not going to go through all of them because they take the whole program. I mean, there's just so many, many very cool awards, um, primarily in the, the area of journalism. George has been a volunteer in Big Brothers, a Little League coach, and a rental housing mediator for the city of Mountain View, California. He also served as a trip leader for the Sierra Club, a volunteer tutor for literacy volunteers of Pima County, and an elementary school mentor for the Interfaith Coalition for the Homeless. He was the founder of Project One Hour, One Child, a volunteer tutoring program for at-risk elementary school children. He is the author of 100 Ways to Be a Long-Distance Super Dad, or mom, too, which is a handbook for long-distance parenting, and Things I Know Now That I Wish I'd Known Then, 150 Tips for Living Smarter. He currently lives in Tucson with his wife. And what we're really going to be talking about is not only just George's experience and, and wisdom for us, but he has written another new book, and it's called How to Survive in an Upside-Down Economy. <sighs> George, I got tired just reading your bio. Holy cow. Welcome to our program. Thank you very much, Deb. Pleasure to be here. You know, this really is something that even just reading your bio, I got so excited talking to you because you have done so many things. And, you know, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about your book. And one of the the tips, actually, you mentioned it numerous times in the book is, is to seek out mentors and learn from other people who have been there, who've done that, who failed, who succeeded, all of those various things. And you were definitely someone that I know we're going to learn from today. I hope so. Well, tell us, you know, you, you really have had quite the life, um, you know, and, and it really has led you to, you know, a variety of different places. So, you know, talk to us about why you, you know, one of the biggest things that came through both with reading your book and even just reading your bio is how much you help other people. Why, you know, because so many people, first of all, they're thinking, I don't have time. Oh, my gosh. Um, but why is that such an important part of your life? Well, I, I, I think it goes way back to my childhood. And uh, believe it or not, uh, my grandmother read to me before I could read. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite stories, uh, it just got to me. And I think I was four years, five years old, was mm -hmm. The Little Match Girl. 
And I don't know how many people listening today are familiar with that. I don't, it goes way, way back. Mm-hmm. But it was about a poor little girl who was selling matches on the street. Mm-hmm. And it was cold. It was winter. And she stood outside a restaurant, and inside there were people eating wonderful warm dinners, and she had no money, and all she could do was light a match, and nobody was buying her matches. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the end, the little girl froze to death, and uh, uh, that was back before we had uh, any kind of social services Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but it it just really got to me. Mm -hmm. And I think from that point on, uh, I was always curious when I was a psych major as to uh, where and when altruism is developed in in, in children, and um, I, I was uh, motivated to want to do a research or write a book on it, mm. but it is such a large subject, and I just never got around to it, mm-hmm. but I guess I've always been disposed in that way, and uh, I think when I decided to write this my newest book, uh, how to survive in an upside down economy. Um, what uh, brought me to do that was that uh, uh, I, I think everyone listening here is familiar with what we now call uh, the sharing economy mm-hmm. or the gig economy. Right. Well, that's not all wonderful stuff mm-hmm. uh, because what it means is that you, if you're a part of that economy, uh, you do not have full-time employment, you do not have any kind of security, mm-hmm. and you have no st- economic stability in your life. Mm-hmm. You're doing gigs, you're working here for this amount right. of time, that amount of time, and so this is far different than from what I grew up with where we had many one-income families, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about wealthy people, I'm talking about you know uh, blue-collar people. Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, someone might say this is uh, sexist or so on, but often it was the father who went to work. Mm-hmm. Mother stayed home and raised the kids. We didn't have children who were dependent on uh, drugs and opioids and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst thing happened in our neighborhood was... Uh, a kid would be uh, stopped by the police for, for lighting a firecracker on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and families managed, and at the end of 25 or 30 years, the father got a, a gold watch and retired, or mom was a nurse or a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and today, uh, they're, they're for a third, uh, the estimate is about a third of the nation uh, does not have uh, job security. Right. And even those who are full-time employed, they're worried about, oh, what if our company merges? Mm-hmm. Then they're going to say, well, we have to uh, affect some economies of scale, so we're going to lay off 3,000 here and 2,000 there, and somebody moves a pin in an office in New York or Chicago, and you're done for. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're over 40, you know, where are you going to get another job that pays you as well as the one you just lost? Right. And so that's the reason I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody is not going to run out and uh, try to go on their own, but there will be a percentage. And I tried to prepare, I guess, what you would call a how to or a manual mm-hmm. on how to get this done. And believe me, uh, I got it done, but it was not all milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and you mentioned that you know, when you were growing up, and, you know, back in, in the, the 60s and the 70s, when someone got a job, they had that job forever. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, typically it was the male of the house, um, you know, and, and women worked at that point, too. But a lot of those were more the teachers, the nurses, you know, those those, you know, now that we would call stereotypical type of, of professions. But they got that job and they had it forever. You know, my father worked for uh, the state of Colorado for 31 years. My husband is actually one of those kind of unusual people, especially in this day and age. He went to work for a company out, you know, when he finished with college, and he is still with that same company. You know, he has been there quite a long time. And that's very unusual. You know, most people now, they just don't do that, whether it's by choice, by their choice, or because it got forced on them. And I think that's something that is difficult for many people to to grasp is, you know, what do we do when especially if you were at, you know, in, in, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, those those corporate jobs where you expected to be for quite a while and poof, it goes away. 
and they do uh, every day. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, my son is evidence of that. He was a sports writer. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone knows what happened to newspapers. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, those that haven't closed are hanging on by their fingernails. Mm-hmm. And um, so he had to find a new career, and uh, he just lucked out. And I wouldn't say it's wonderful, but he got a job in a call center, Mm -hmm. and he learned the call center business, but at a fraction of what he was making. Mm -hmm. And uh, today he's 50 years old, and uh, uh, there are not opportunities not waiting out there for him. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a struggle. And it's a struggle for a lot of people who have been displaced. And um, and uh, if, if you got me started, I am very critical of our uh, elected public officials over the last 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. Just not one group right. who, who allowed whole towns and cities to be shut down because cheaper cheaper work could be done offshore. Mm-hmm. And in the Carolinas, you know, we have we had textile mills. Mm-hmm. And they're gone. Right. Gone forever. Right. Well, and you and, used to have what they called the, the corporate town, where, mm-hmm. you know, say it was a coal mine that was the major industry. Then the town grew up around that. And the, the, the corporation, in essence, owned everything. You know, they rented the houses. You know, they did all of those things. And but but they created a very stable economy in that area now you know there are obviously a lot of drawbacks to that and we're not saying this is is the perfect way to do it but you know as you mentioned when industry shifted and especially shifted to other locations that meant entire towns were no longer functioning and and i, I want to point out that uh, the people who disparagingly refer, refer to what we had as protectionism and it's become a dirty word uh, i remember when i was in school in the 6th grade a student raised his hand and asked the teacher uh, my dad says that they have beef lots of beef in argentina and it's cheaper than our american beef mm-hmm. and why can't we have that beef and the teacher said well because if we allowed it to come in and didn't put a high tariff on it, then people who are working on ranches and in meatpacking and so on in America would lose their jobs. And so we had protectionism back until about the 1970s. Mm-hmm. And then somebody came up with this idea and said, oh, we can have this done cheaper offshore. Mm-hmm. And so offshore meant outside the United States. And we saw our towns and cities turning into rust belts, and nobody did anything about it, and and nobody has done anything about it up until today. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yes, we can go into Walmart uh, and uh, and get things awfully cheap and walk out with a big basket of goods uh, that cost little or nothing. And um, but what 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 price the price of our jobs. So we have that situation. And I said, well, okay, I can't do anything about this to change the the, the politics uh, of of the country. But, hey, I can do this for myself Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm going to have to do it if I want to survive, because at the age of 50, uh, the jobs were not waiting for me out there. Mm-hmm. So I uh, actually, it was a happenstance that, that I was I was spared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I have it in the book, but uh, I I had a, a little tiny publishing business that was you know you could put on the kitchen table, mm-hmm. and it wasn't near enough to support me. Uh, but um, I was uh, doing what I could and not doing very well. And one day the phone rang. And I answered it at home and uh, because I was no longer employed at that Mm -hmm. time. And uh, a woman on the other end said, uh, do you remember me? She said, you wrote a story when you were working for the Mercury News about our women's business club. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really went over well and we all liked it. And, you know, I have a mortgage investment business and I've got about 1,600 investors And I would like to have a newsletter that I can send out to them quarterly, Mm -hmm. letting them know what we're doing and a little bit about the business and how their funds are invested and so forth. Do you think you could do that for me? Well, up to that time, I had never 
publish the newsletter. Right. But you, of had, course, said, of course. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I said, when can I come over and mm-hmm. meet with you? Right. She said, well, how about tomorrow afternoon? So uh, I got what she wanted, and I called a few people that I knew uh, as uh, vendors or subcontractors, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a printer and a uh, graphic designer and a mm-hmm. photographer, and we got it moving, and we got her first issue out in about 30 days. Mm. Well, I didn't know it. But she took about a dozen or more copies with her to her women's business club meeting Mm -hmm. and distributed them. And about a week later, I started getting calls from some of her members. Mm -hmm. Could you do one of these for our business? Right. And that put me in the newsletter business. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me a living for a good 15 or 20 years Mm -hmm. until software came out (laughs) that put me out of business. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and you, you mentioned this in, in your book, as in finding a fill, you know, find a need and fill it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes those are, you know, you, you just kind of happenstance hear about them. Or in, in your case, somebody called and say, hey, George, could you do X? But, you know, how many times do we look around at something and think, oh, I could do that? You know, and and. And and then we think, but I don't want to, you know, or or I couldn't, or I don't have the knowledge. And it's funny, you know, I, I work with a lot of people who are in the job market, and I talk to them about when they're reading job descriptions, and it says, you know, we need you to do X, Y, and Z. And so many times people will go, well, I can't apply for that job because I can't do Z. Well, can you learn how to do that? If you can, then you're, you know, then it's, it's, as you said, you learned how to do newsletters, um, you know, and, and I think that's something that so many of us limit ourselves on is we think oh, we can't do that. And one of the things that you point out a lot in your book is quite often there are things that we think, I don't want to do that, you know, and, and, and if you could see, I'm turning up my nose at that because, you know, people are like, I don't want to do that. That's beneath me. Um, you know, and 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 a, a, most of the premise of your book is the fact that, you know, you've lost your job. It was not your choice. And you're you may very well have to do some things that you, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, even last year, you would have never thought you would do. But you have to do those things to survive. Precisely. Uh, and we I have found out over a lifetime that the dirtier the job, I mean physically dirty, mm-hmm. uh, the more secure and the more profitable. Right. One day uh, I interviewed a man in Sacramento, California by phone. His mm-hmm. name was given to me and uh, he had a, a sewer and drain cleaning service. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a nice little chat and toward the end he said, you know, I have a master's degree, uh, an MBA Uh, from Sacramento State, Mm -hmm. and I probably could be doing other things. And my friends joke with me and say, call me stinky or something like Mm -hmm. that. And he says, you know what? He said, George, I laugh all the way to the bank. Right, right. (laughs) You know, I I asked somebody one time who worked in a mortuary. He was a mortician. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's one of those jobs where a lot of people are thinking, yeah, I could never do that. But he said, my job will never go out of existence. And, you know, and he's right, you know, that and and I think that's something that even college kids, you know, or high school kids need to think about is what are those jobs that will always be needed? You know, and 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 you talk again, you talk about that in your book. You know, what are those things that can't be outsourced? You know, and, and now in this day and age, we have to think about computers coming in and robots and artificial intelligence and, you know, all of those things. And that just makes my brain hurt. But you know, <laughs> what are those jobs that will always be needed? Well, one of them is being an air conditioning technician in, right. in Tucson, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You, or, or Hotlanta. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember one night, uh, my wife and I were watching late at night, and we were watching, uh, I think it was on PBS, and uh, there was a, uh, a roundtable uh, at Stanford University. This must mm-hmm. have been about 1 o'clock in the morning. And there were some graduate students uh, sitting in a circle, And what they were trying to figure out was when they graduated, what are some export-proof jobs that Mm -hmm. that they could uh, aim for that couldn't be shipped abroad? Mm -hmm. 
And they were, they were looking ahead. And uh, again, uh, perspicacity, being able to see two or three moves ahead like chess, mm-hmm. good chess players do, is, is one of the secrets in life. I had a great uncle who I used to talk to by phone once a week, and he would close every conversation saying, my boy, remember, you must always keep one step ahead of the crowd, mm-hmm. one step ahead. Do you hear me? And I heard him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, uh, one thing about, about uh, working for yourself um, I divided my book up into two parts, and one is tips on how to make money, mm-hmm. and the other is tips on how to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be willing and able to live on the cheap if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. and you have to have self-discipline, and you have to be willing, you know, when somebody else says, oh, I'm sorry, we, we're, we're, we're closed, we work Monday through Friday. If somebody says, can you come on Saturday, or I need somebody on Sunday, yes, sir, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. And um, you really have to stretch, but in the end, it pays because nobody can fire me. Right. You know, and, and it is about tightening your belt, you know, and 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 whether you, you made the decision to start your own business because that was what you wanted to do or because you were forced into it because your company shut down, you were laid off, whatever it was, um, you know, it, it, you were not usually going to have this clump of money that you can, you know, you can buy the best, the greatest, you know, all these various things. Now, there are things that you do have to invest in. You know, you, you more than likely have to have a computer. But does it have to be the, the $10,000? You know, I, I love it with people, you know, I'm, I'm big on social media. And George, your chapter about not liking social media pained me greatly. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's, it clearly social media is for certain people and not for other people. But, you know, when people on Facebook were talking about buying the new iPhone. Now, I have an iPhone. But they were buying the new iPhone for $1,000. Dollars. Actually, I think the price tag is nine hundred ninety nine. But you know, I mean, I was oh no, uh uh-uh. uh. That was one of those things that you know. I like I said, I have an iPhone, and you know these silly phones. They do far more than what we actually need them to. You know, I tell people I just need it to take pictures and you know, and and you know, do a little bit of stuff. All this other stuff that that they do, I don't need. But you know, I I really was thinking, holy cow, who would spend a thousand dollars on a phone? And I had lots of friends who would do that. And you know, great, more power to them. But at the same point, it was like, do you really need that? And and some of it is, depending on what you do, there are obviously kind of what we might call status symbols. Um, I have a friend who deals directly with CEOs of major corporations. She has a Mercedes. And and I kind of questioned her on that one time. And, and she said, you know, that was one of those things that she made a conscious decision about, because if she drove up in a Dodge or a Chevy, they're not going to think as much of her, you know, and, and but that was something that she decided was a cost of doing business. But it meant that she had to scrimp in other areas. That's um, right. You know, and and so, you know, you do have to think about these things. But but I love that you talk about, you know, in your book about various ways that, you know, so many people, even if you have money, you know, if you can you can spend the thousand dollars on the iPhone, you know, we still should be saving, you know, this, you know, all these various things. And and so using coupons is not bad. Asking for discounts is not bad. But I got to admit, George, I will not go for the senior citizens discount and it pains me <laughs> greatly when people ask me do you want the senior citizens discount um <clears throat> i am in that demographic you know we we will admit to that but i'm still vain enough that i'm not going to but but i'm you know that is that's the decision that i go back you know it's like okay do i want to save that amount or do i want to be vain <laughs> you know? well um to the extent, I, uh, uh, my wife and I are still using flip telephones, mm-hmm. of, uh, and on, only when right. we are out somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we, mm-hmm. but it's because we don't need it now. If right. we needed it, uh, you know, we work with mm-hmm. vendors. We we do our, our manage our own investment property, mm-hmm. and uh, we work with vendors, uh, handymen, air conditioners, and and they have to have it mm-hmm. because they're they don't have an office. Right. They're in the field. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that smartphone is their office. That's their office, but but we don't need it now. If we have extra money, uh, we will put it into real estate, income property. Mm-hmm. And so uh, somebody says, "Well, George, when are you going to buy a new this or a new that?" And I said, "Well, we last month we we bought a new uh, rental house, mm-hmm. and so we don't watch the stock market." Uh, if it goes up or if it goes down, it's just, you know, it's like news to us reading the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we we are, have been debt-free mm-hmm. for over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have zero debt and won't take any debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pay our credit cards. Matter of fact, I've got a credit card uh, that uh, gives me 2% cash back on everything. Mm-hmm. And we, we have everything hooked up. Uh, any, anybody, the telephone company or right. whoever, we have insurances for on our properties. And that all goes on the credit mm-hmm. card. Right. So we may get uh, a credit card bill this month of three or $4,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pay it off immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've saved, uh, we get a, 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 a rebate of $100. Right. And um, we've been doing this for years, mm-hmm. and uh, every little bit, it, it adds up. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, today, uh, we, we still uh, are completely independent, mm-hmm. and it, it, it would bother me more to know that anybody, somebody has a say over uh, our our decisions or independence. It, it mm-hmm. would really, I mean, we've gone to the extent where we never want to be institutionalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, here we've made our own decisions for 50 or 60 years. And, and suddenly now somebody is going to come and say, well, Mr. Newman, it's time for your bath. No way. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's it's going to be time for my bath when I want my bath. Mm-hmm. And and so we have set aside savings just for mm-hmm. that purpose, right? Uh, so we can have uh, help uh, mm-hmm. in the right. house. You'd have in-home health care. In-home right. health care, mm-hmm. and um, so it's it's very important for us. Uh, and and even in business, um, a, a couple of years ago, uh, we got a phone call. We had a a, a house for rent. We, we do single family. Uh, houses only. Mm-hmm. We're not into apartments or commercial, mm-hmm. and they're usually middle-class properties where, uh, say, a uh, um, postal carrier or a school mm-hmm. teacher would would want to rent a house. And um, we had a couple call us, and they said uh, they were from uh, Utah. They're only here for the weekend, mm-hmm. and they're going to be moving on the first of the month, which is only a couple of weeks away. They're going home this week, and they need to find a place to rent. And they had our rental house listed as one of mm-hmm. a couple of potentials. Mm-hmm. So they said, could you meet us in an hour? Yep, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my wife and I went over, nice young couple in their uh, early 30s. We uh, talked to them, uh, both of them uh, gainfully employed. And... Um, they said, well, uh, could you do this and could you do that? And I said, yes, we could. And then they said, well, we have one more place to look at, and uh, we will let you know. Mm-hmm. So they went and looked at a house about a mile away that had a pool. We do not have pools because of the liability. Right. <laughs> and um, the next morning at about 7.30 a.m., the phone rings. It was a Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and they called and said, could you meet us at your rental house? I think mm-hmm. we're ready to talk business. So we drove over and we met them, opened up, had them come in mm-hmm. and um, got a couple of folding chairs because the place was vacant. Uh-huh. And um, they said, there's a couple of things. You know, we talked to these people yesterday. They had a property management company and we wanted to know if they could do this or do that. And the property manager said, look, you get this house the way it is right now. We we mm-hmm. we won't do anything, and they said we were offended, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so they came back to us, and they said, "Well, there, you have a walk-in closet here. Do mm-hmm. you think we could have a California closet installed?" Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, "Well, if you're willing to help pay for it, yes." Sure. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, okay. Uh, could you have a water softener put in?" Certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whatever they wanted, the answer was yes, and right. they were willing to pay. Mm-hmm. 
and well, so, and you were increasing the value of the property yeah, for future at the same renters. Time. Mm-hmm. So, so we gave them everything they wanted, and they paid their fair share, mm-hmm. and we improved the property, and they were only there two years, mm-hmm. and uh, did a lot of improvements and upgrades. But the nice thing about it was we left there and went for coffee, and I said, Sandra, that's my wife, mm-hmm. I said, you know, it's, it's a good feeling to be able to decide yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, and not have to check with somebody and get permission and so on. And right. that, that, to me, is one of the beauties of being in business for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned buying a car. And my husband, you know, bought a, a new car last year. And, and that is kind of one of those little things that, you know, every once in a while we get new cars. But, you know, didn't finance it, which that just thoroughly messes them up. They, you know, of course, they don't like that. No. But I, you know, I, I told the, the salesperson, I said, you do not go off and talk to your manager <laughs> and come back with the happy face written on this thing. I said, you, I said, I know that you have the ability, as long as we're not going way out there to, to make the decisions on things we're asking for. And I said, so just don't go do it. And I, you know, and, and, and there, you know, there were, uh, there were actually a couple of things he did have to go check on the manager. One was availability of stock. I mean, you know, and, and so that made sense. But, but like you said, you know, the fact that somebody has to ask permission, you know, it's for some people, they love it. I mean, they don't want to have to make those decisions. So that's why they want to work for the man. Um, but, you know, being your own boss, you don't have to do that. You know, you you get to make those decisions. Yeah, and you and then you live with them, and mm-hmm. and right. we're, we're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the I think I have it in, in, in my book, but uh, one of the most memorable experiences that I can recall uh, was about uh, twenty five or thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was only in, been in business for myself about two years, and there was a, a man that uh, we knew, and I say we because my friend who is still my good friend, he's in Oregon, and he's been a book publisher forever, small business. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew a fellow who uh, used to uh, host uh, or organize a breakfast once a month for independents like mm-hmm myself and Bob mm-hmm. and others, and uh, it was held in San Jose in a little tiny dinky downtown cafe where they would push a few tables together for us, mm-hmm. and we'd have anywhere from uh, oh eight or ten up to about 15 or 18 people show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody had to reserve. You just showed up on uh, the fourth Tuesday at uh, 10 a.m. or something, mm-hmm. whatever it was, and uh, got to meet a lot of interesting people. I mean, really interesting people. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, one morning, my wife uh, was sitting. She went with me, and she was sitting next to a woman, and they chatted. And uh, after the breakfast uh, my friend Bob came over and said, Sandra, do you know who you were sitting next to? And she said, no. She said, that was Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, who just died about a week ago, a, a very noted writer, mm-hmm. uh, and um, but very uh, non-unassuming uh, and so mm-hmm. on. So, But anyway, one, one morning at these breakfasts, uh, we'd go around the table and, and it was, uh, you know, people helped each other. And mm-hmm. it was uh, sort of a, uh, one of those things where uh, you um, do a lot of things, in, including, uh, um, I can't think of the word now, but where you, you share uh, uh, information and mm-hmm. right. job help and so on. So this, this one man who was in his 30s or 40s, um, he had a long face and somebody said, uh, I'm making up the name because I can't remember. I think it was Terry. Mm -hmm. He said, Terry, why the long face? He says, oh, he says, I don't know. I can't keep up with my bills, and um, I'm really uh, up against the wall, and I don't know what to do, and I might have to go back to work uh, for someone. And so we went around the table, and I think there were about 15 people there. Mm -hmm. And to a person, everyone said, no matter how tough things would get, there's no way that I'm going back to work on mm-hmm. a job. Right. And it was, it was unanimous. And um, there is just something about it. Once, once you, you set in, you know, it's like uh, nobody is going to, to stop me from and, – and it doesn't have to be great success. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can just make a living – 
and and uh, that's what I had to do for a long time was just make a living. Mm-hmm. But there is so much satisfaction in that, and um, and and there are so many ways to do it, um, and and uh, I, I just um, look at some. I say, well, what can you do? Um, we we know a, a man who who cleans windows, mm-hmm. and um, he has built his business up to a point where he has bought income property with his his Mm -hmm. profits. Mm -hmm. And another one I talked to, um, we had to uh, do, we had some chipped enamel in one of our uh, bathroom bathtubs in one of our Mm -hmm. rental houses. And we didn't want to replace the bathtub. We wanted to repair Mm -hmm. the chipped enamel. And we couldn't find anybody locally uh, who was available to do it. So we have a handyman who is very good at everything, and he says, well, George, if you can get me the kit or something that I can work with, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. He was a marvel at painting or woodwork or anything you want. Mm-hmm. So I got on the internet, and I found uh, a kit for uh, repairing uh, porcelain mm-hmm. uh, chips. Right. And um, I had to get on the phone and the woman who owned this little business called me back. And we ended up talking for about an hour. <laughs> and she's in Virginia. And this was quite some time ago. And she said, you know, um, somebody taught me how to do this. And she said, uh, for a long time, all I did was answer calls in my local area. And she said uh, some of them were quite lucrative. She said uh, a, a, a contractor, a building contractor would call me and say, I just got delivery of one of these huge tubs, you know, with the jacuzzi and all that. Mm-hmm. And it has a chip. These mm-hmm. were, uh, I, I call them plastic, but, uh, you, you know, they, they were not the right. mm-hmm. ca- cast iron with mm-hmm. with uh, 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 with uh, the porcelain, but they were they were uh, uh, some kind of a uh, composition, mm-hmm. and uh, which they use nowadays. They have a name mm-hmm. for that. And she said, I'd go out there, and I might have to spend an hour. But he said, you couldn't just ship it back. I mean, these things came in right. huge, and I mm-hmm. had to meet deadlines. So at, in those days, and this was a long time ago, she said, I would charge them $250 for the service mm-hmm. call. Right. But they were tickled pink. Mm-hmm. And she said, so I was making a lot of money. And she said, my husband is a lawyer. She said, but she said, with some of my profit, I bought a strip mall <laughs> in, <laughs> I love it. in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And she said, then somebody suggested, well, Susie, or I can't remember her name. Why don't you prepare a kit, which mm-hmm. you can sell over the Internet for mm-hmm. 30 or $40, where people around the country or around the world can do the, these repairs themselves. Right. So sure enough, she did it, and mm-hmm. uh, we still have one of her kits. But the, the the fact that she did what she did and bought herself into a strip mall mm-hmm. says that you can do anything if, if you're entrepreneurial. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so many times it, it is sitting down and taking stock of sometimes it's what do you do for fun? I mean, you know, that that's how I got into doing marketing. And, you know, I did things like that. I volunteered and did things like that. And somebody finally said, is there a reason you don't want to get paid to do that? <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know, and that little light bulb kind of went, buka, 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 above my head. Um, and but I really had thought, well, but 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 I like doing that for fun. And to me, that crossover didn't make sense. And then, of course, you know, somebody smacked me upside the head and and I realized, yes, that does make sense. But it's also looking at your skill sets. You know, are you good at organizing people? Are you good at managing people? You know, uh, are you good at, at computers? You know, all these various things. You know, I've I've talked with people who have lost their jobs, downsized. Maybe they've been a stay-at-home mom and now they're going back to work. And they think, I don't have any job skills. Well, sure they do. You know, it's just not something that they typically think is a job skill. Um, you know, and, and so it, it is just sometimes a matter of sitting down and thinking, what can I do? How can I help somebody? Yeah, and you, you, you need the motivation. Motivation mm-hmm. is critical, and it's not, it's not for everyone. Self-employment, right. I tell people, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the, a term that I picked up years ago, 
Uh, and for people today who are employed but are looking around over their shoulders and saying, well, you know, when when is this other shoe going to drop? Mm-hmm. Uh, this term came from the Wall Street Journal, and I read an article, and the term is called defensive entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I love it uh, mm-hmm. because I decided to invoke it for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I happened to have a little tiny publishing business when the newspaper business started to go south. Mm-hmm. And um, what it, it requires is that you do something on the side at home in the evenings and maybe on your kitchen table or in your garage mm-hmm. uh, that uh, is the beginning of a little business. Mm-hmm. And um, you can be making fishing tackle boxes or toolboxes. Uh, or you can be doing any number of things, uh, or you can have a, a, a catalog, uh, an mm-hmm. electronic catalog, and specialize in uh, supplies for uh, beading or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, making uh, samplers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, But there's all these little tiny businesses out there, mm-hmm. so that when you get the pink slip at work, and you're expected to get by on some little unemployment while you're looking around and sending out resumes, uh, you have already an established business. Mm-hmm. Now, it may not be bringing in a lot of money, but from there on, you can expand. Right. And uh, what I learned from somebody else was, let's say that you're good at uh, computers. Mm-hmm. And believe me, there are a lot of people who, when these computers are so complex today and so many things can go wrong and there's all of these uh, uh, ransomware and uh, viruses and everything and so you need to call somebody who can come to your house and Mm -hmm. fix it. So if you're good at computers, you can be one of these people. You can get the word out. You can get from 50 to $75 an hour for your time, Mm -hmm. and you have a little business card that says, Susie Smith or Bob Jones, computers, call me at this Mm -hmm. number or my email. So that's one business card you have in your pocket, Mm -hmm. but but you may have another one where you do alterations Mm -hmm. in your home. And another thing is, uh, I have never paid rent ever for a commercial property or office Ever. Every business has been done out of my home, mm-hmm. and I've never had an employee. I, I work with a lot of uh, vendors and subcontractors, mm-hmm. but I've never had an employee, right. so I don't have to be bothered with that. Mm-hmm. And um, years ago, I, um, when I was in Silicon Valley, I did a newsletter for a company, a very small company, and they made test equipment for chips. So computer chips have to be tested before they can be sold and go out on the market. Mm -hmm. And this man made testing equipment. And I was there for the quarterly meeting with him as to what he wanted in his newsletter. And I was getting ready to leave. And uh, he said, hey, George, he says, when are you going to get an office? And I said, whenever you're ready to pay for it. Oh, no, 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 I like Mm -hmm. your prices. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was able to do work at a fraction of what an ad agency would charge at ad agency Mm -hmm. rates. And, uh, you know, I operated uh, on a shoestring. Right. And I don't regret it to this day. And, uh, again, what I did was, as as profits started to come in, instead of buying new cars or iPhones, uh, we bought property. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it didn't hurt us to buy a California property at that time. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. And what we did was, when we decided to move to Arizona and retire, uh, we traded one California house for three and a half Arizona houses mm-hmm. right? because that was the ratio. And today, my mm-hmm. God, I mean, you know, oh. you, you, in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's gold rush country. That- yeah. And, and, and it's a little teeny tiny house, but you know, yeah, it's, and it's funny because real estate is actually one of those things that I've had several guests on talking about how it is such good investments. It's, it's um, you know, some best. of it has been commercial, but but for the most part, it, it is people who are talking about residential, and you know, and and you know, they've they've got tons of tips on on things. And one of the things that I like about your book is you talk about you know when you're renting. You know, these folks are you know some of the people I've had on are are selling the properties, and and you're renting. Some of the tips that you know because we all think, oh my gosh, you know that that's a lot of work. We don't want to do that. 
there's some basic that run credit checks on these folks. You know, I love your thing where you said, you know, ask them for their first and last name. It, when you know when you're leaving a message, please leave your first and last name is basically what you were saying. And you know, for voicemail, and if they don't leave a last name, what are they hiding? You know, are they not wanting you to run a credit check? And you know, simple things that people don't really think about that can make sure that you now are you going to have a bad tenant on occasion? Sure, you know, things things happen, but there's some pretty basic and simple things that you can do just to make sure that things are going to run smoothly. Well, for sure, and uh, and we've developed a, a system for screening, which mm-hmm. we've run by all of the fair housing agencies and everything else, so right. that we aren't accused of discriminating. Mm-hmm. And basically, the only place where you can really be selective nowadays without uh, running afoul of the law is on uh, on your uh, credit history. Mm-hmm. And um, if somebody has a bad credit history. You can reject them for that, regardless mm-hmm. of who they are or what they right. are, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, they're a bad risk. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember years ago, every time I would talk to my mother, who was in Florida and I was in California, and she would ask me something about the rental business and Mm -hmm. uh, she would always say George I don't want anyone calling me at three o'clock in the morning telling me that their toilet is stopped up Mm -hmm. and I said mom no one has ever called me at three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you have you have people that you're renting to that think I will wait and call George in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and with, within within a few hours, we would have a, uh, a handyman there to take care of it immediately. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we've always you know prided ourselves on good service. Uh, we don't raise anybody's rent. We have one mm-hmm. lady now who's been with us for 19 years, Holy and God. we've never raised her rent. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's well below the market, and we're mm-hmm. aware of that. But when somebody moves out. Then we bring the rents up to market rate, and uh, that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you were to lose her, you know, say you just went and said, "Hey, Margaret, we're raising your rent." There's a lot of costs that would have to go into getting a new tenant. Anytime. You know, and, and, yeah. you know, and, and especially if she's been there that long or, you know, anybody who's been, you know, you're probably going to have to paint. You might have to recarpet, you know, all these various things. Now, you very easily could have been doing that for her all along. But, you know, when you're getting ready for a new tenant, you've got to get it show worthy. You know, it's maybe that, you know, and, and so you really have to do a lot of things. And so it's it's in many cases easier, as you said, just to keep that rent at that same level and keep that fabulous tenant. And you probably know she's not the person who's going to call you at three o'clock in the morning or maybe, you know, or is she always, always pays on time. All of those various things. Absolutely. And uh, uh, you, you don't have to have somebody there a long time. If we have a tenant for a year, uh, mm-hmm. which we used to, we don't anymore. Um, you still have to go in and do all those things you mentioned. And uh, I don't remember any time we've had to spend less than three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. And they don't do damage. There's no damage. No, it's just normal wear and tear. Right, normal wear and mm-hmm. tear. And so uh, what we've done is, and we learn from others. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sandra looks at a lot of listings that are on uh, Craigslist or on Zillow. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we learned from another landlord is uh, we have a minimum two-year lease required. Mm-hmm. So uh, people who are just moving here and saying, well, we'll rent for six months or a year, mm-hmm. right. uh, we, we don't want those kind of tenants. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have a minimum two-year lease, mm-hmm. and then we have uh, also non-smoking, and that really cuts down because uh, it seems like smokers do not take as good care mm-hmm. as non-smokers. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got it pretty much down to a science, and it, mm-hmm. it works for us, and uh, we're on the legal up and up, and we don't right. discriminate, and mm-hmm. so on. I, I see, and, and it's a nice, steady stream of income. Yeah, believe me, it's it's our retirement. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we've got about ten minutes left, so you know, let's let's talk more business tips. Um, you know, one of the things that that you mentioned is so many times we end up working from home, and and if you have the type of business that you can do that. I'm with you, George. I work from home. You know, why go out and pay for, you know, to have a space when you don't really need to? And there are things now. There's office sharing. You know, maybe you have the type of job where on occasion your client, you know, 
you can't meet with them in their facility. That's typically what I like to do is I like to go to them. That, you know, simplifies things. Sometimes you can meet with them in Starbucks or all those various. That's it. With office Star- sharing. Yeah. yeah, I know. Starbucks is Starbucks. our office. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you can work from home, but, and, and, you know, and, and as we said, if it's, if it's at all possible, work from home. Um, but I love some of the things in your book that you talk about that really mention still get out there. You know, don't just work, you know, you sit in your little office or your kitchen table or wherever. We we are human beings that need to go out and see people, oh, yes. you know, whether it's uh, networking, which is obviously, you know, something good, you know, or, or just getting out there. I mean, you know, all these various things. But then the the other part to this, and I really love this in your book, is you talk about time management, you know, do you need to drive the hour each way to go do that? Um, you know, is it something that you could do at a different time of day? Um, you know, we moved to Atlanta. Holy schmoly, it's been six years ago now. And so I did a lot of networking because I didn't know anybody here. So I had to get out and do a lot of networking for the first year. And then I really sat down and reevaluated. You know, was this was this business organization, this networking group, was it really going to lead to business? Was it something where I was getting something personal out of it? Because there are definitely those. Or was it more along the waste of time type of things? You know, was I driving an hour to have bad chicken to listen to a a so-so program and then driving an hour back? So basically spending three hours um, and, and not benefiting my business. And that's hard for some business owners, you know, because we get tied into those groups. We volunteer for them. But you need to sit down and think about it. You know, is there really a benefit to it? And, you know, so it's it's interesting that we we do need to get out and, and do those things, mastermind groups, networking groups, whatever it is. But you have to think about what is the benefit to you and your business. Basically, it's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. And and time time is as crucial as money. Uh, and uh, this is why, for instance, I don't do social networking, and mm-hmm. I, I have to focus my time where I think it's best spent. Mm-hmm. And okay. and even and it changes as one ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, going way back when I first went into business for myself, I realized um, there were times when uh, back in the 1980s uh, when I would work at home. Uh, 11 days straight, I remember, every mm-hmm. day, and, uh, you know, I had a little home office, and mm-hmm. uh, I would uh, call my friend Bob and say, hey, Bob, are you ready to take a break? He'd say, yeah, and mm-hmm. we'd go over and we'd hike in um, Marin County, uh, California, mm-hmm. across the Golden Gate Bridge, oh, gorgeous. Uh, do mm-hmm. that for a day and come back and then go to work for another right. seven or eight or nine days. Right. And you, you, you recharge ha- that battery. Recharge the battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it, it was really crucial uh, to... Uh, to be able to manage the time. And I mm-hmm. see so much time wasted today, more than ever, with people on playing electronic games and smartphones, mm-hmm. and they're addicted to this and that, you know, online. And and there goes the time, fluff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one nice. other thing I wanted to mention before we got on to our last little tip, and um, that is that um, when you... Um, or, or I think I forgot my train of thought. It was about time, <laughs> time, time management. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll come back to that. Um, right. But I, I guess since we only have a few minutes left, I did want to save this. Uh, yes, you've got a special tip for a us. Special tip. Um, a couple days ago, I, I went to see uh, uh, to a shop which at one time had been a photographic works. Mm-hmm. And uh, it still carries a name like that. But the owner has about four or five employees. And mm-hmm. they do everything regarding uh, visuals, videos, this, this, that. Mm-hmm. And he did a nice montage for me of a mm-hmm. dog that we lost about a year ago to cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wanted something we could frame. And it was a beautiful mm-hmm. montage. So I went to pick it up. It, it was ready. And it was late in the afternoon and there was no one there and so we schmoozed a little bit and I said you know I remember when you were over on Broadway and uh, you uh, had the, the just the photograph oh he said 85% of our business was film 
And he said, of course, today, you know, everything is uh, film, (laughs) film, right, is electronic. And he said, so we had to shift our gears just to stay alive. Mm -hmm. And he said, so now we do this, we do that. We make uh, electronic albums and you name it, anything involving video visuals. But he said, you know what I learned? He said, what you have to do is if you have a business, you have to nibble around the edges and have this and offer this and offer that Mm -hmm. and be sure that it's something that none of the big people like Amazon or, or others want to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's businesses, little things, that services that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And they're not right. going to do because it doesn't pay them to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he's got, you know, seven or eight or ten different services. They're, mm-hmm. they're all related to audiovisual. But he does them and he does them very well. And he, he's kept his staff and he has a thriving business. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's so important because I think so many of us think we have our niche and we, you know, we spent all that time figuring out what our niche was and figuring out who our target market was. And we go down that little path and we've got our little head down and something happens. <laughs> you know, and, you know, if we had and and now, you know, the marketing person in me says this is is right. You do need to know what your niche is. You need to, to you know, know who your target market is. But it should never be 100 percent of your focus. So right. you need to be you diversified. Know, right. Right. What complementary things can you offer? Maybe it's not something you offer. It's it, you outsource it to somebody or as you, you know, you, you have a contractor that can do it, you know, all those various things. But, you know, how else? can you help people and and that's really what it comes down to you know and and when you provide them great products or services they're going to come back to you Um, you know that's that's ultimately what it comes down to and i remembered what i had forgot it's about the home office Mm -hmm. and an accountant that i've worked with for years told me years ago and i've heeded his advice never opt or take the home office deduction on your income tax Mm -hmm. Uh, he said it's a red flag he said, you do not benefit very much from it. You, you can deduct all of your expenses for supplies and this and this mm-hmm. and this and that. Just don't take the home office deduction uh, because, for one, you may not really qualify because it has to be only for this and only for that. Right. But worse, mm-hmm. he said, if it's in your house and you own your house, when you go to sell your house, you have to sell two parts of your house, the part that you occupy for your personal use and and the part that you use for your home office that isn't becomes an income property and it, it's a mess mm-hmm. so he said don't opt for the home office deduction right. You know, and, and that is something that you talk about in your book is there are times where we absolutely have to ask the experts. You know, we, we don't know everything. Um, you know, we, we have to rely on other people for their advice, for their support, whether it's your CPA, your attorney, an accountant, um, you know, a marketing person, whoever it is. And that is part of what makes the business successful. When I think so many times, you know, we start our business and we think, I have to do it alone or I, uh, I'm going to do it alone. I'm going to show the world that I can do it alone. <laughs> you know? yeah, we, the, we have to turn to others for help when we need it. There's an expert for everything in this world. The job is to find that person and it's worth right. it. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. You know, and, and it's funny. I tell people I have the 15 minute rule. If it's going to take me more than 15 minutes to do something that isn't my core business, then I need to outsource it, you know, and and so that's my taxes. That's my website. You know, I I love tinkering on my websites. I have four of them. But if it's going to take me more than about 15 minutes, then I should have somebody else do it because that's the best use of my time and my money. That is right. Well, George, oh, my gosh. We are already at the top of the hour, and this has been absolutely delightful. I have been loving chatting with you, so we'll have to have you on again. But in the meantime, how do people – now, see, normally I tell people, how do you find and connect with you online? But you're not really so much on the online world, so how do people find you? Oh, well, I've I've got a a, um, WordPress uh, site, Mm -hmm. and and if if you put in how to survive in an upside-down economy, you can Mm -hmm. reach me that way. Um, you can also, um, uh, my book is on Amazon. 
uh, and I'll be happy to give my uh, email address here if anybody wants to take it down. Uh, mm-hmm. It's um, I'll say it and then I'll spell it. It's argon1 at gmail.com. Gmail is mm-hmm. easy to remember. So it's A-R-G like in George, O, double N like in November, mm-hmm. E like in Edward, followed by the numeral one, argon1, mm-hmm. one, A-R-G-O-N-N-E, one at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, George, as I mentioned, this really has been absolutely delightful. And we just scratched the surface in, in talking about all of the tips that you have. So we will definitely have you on again. And until next time, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a delightful time talking with George Newman. And everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.